0: It's Tuesday, July 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. How are you? Back from a wonderful weekend of celebrating freedom. How about you? Yeah, the
1: same. Yeah, the same. Although not great weather here in the, no, the, the, the DMV. It really wasn't. We were a few hours south at our house on the river, and it was, it was the same down there on the, on the river. I mean, it was just one of those things where you're like, okay, I mean, at least in the middle of reading a really good book. And so you can occupy a lot of time that way, but you're not necessarily equating with the weekend of freedom with reading a book, right? So there's the
0: Capital Fourth celebration every year, a big concert on the mall, right, right at the Capitol building, yeah. uh, The fireworks display, all that sort of thing, and it's and it's uh, broadcast on public television. And I didn't see this last night, but I saw on Twitter that there were some people who are who were upset that what. PBS had done because the weather was so bad here. What they did was they rebroadcast <laughs> the
1: fireworks celebration <laughs> yeah. from like six years ago. I, so I heard about that. Now I, I saw something, I thought I saw something on Twitter last night that was giving the green light for the fireworks show later. Last night, so that, did that not happen? or do I You know, know. I, I don't either. I mean, I, don't know. I went to bed. I yeah, you know, I mean, I, I guess I've just seen enough fireworks the older you get. The the you know, the more they are just kind of the same. I do like thing. fireworks. I mean, I like them. I'm not going to knock them. I mean, I think I, I'd rather get out of the Fourth of July with all my digits intact and just yeah, you know, celebrate. Safety my own. first, people. Yes, I mean that really is is the bottom line, right? We want to we want to make it to the next Fourth of July.
0: Exactly. All right, let's get to some of the news of the day, and we will start. With Tesla Motors, uh, the company announced it delivered fourteen thousand three hundred seventy vehicles in Q two. That was short of its target of seventeen thousand, and that's on a percentage basis. That's not all that close. That's a fifteen percent miss. And we are pretty quick to point out when it is earnings season, and you hear Wall Street analysts saying, "Well, they missed my targets," but we're we're quick to point out, "Well." Uh, we're not interested in what the analyst targets are. We're interested in what the company's own
1: targets are. This was Tesla's target mm-hmm. and they missed yeah, that was gonna say I mean they they set that own benchmark. I think the biggest question an investor in in this business today needs to answer is how do they view this company that really I think is going to dictate sort of your expectations and your timeline of of Sort of where you feel like this investment can go, because probably a lot of people out there today may view Tesla as the electric car company. And hey, that's fair. I mean, that's what they make, right? Electric cars. Other people out there might view Tesla as a battery company because maybe down the line, ten years, this gigafactory goes online and is is producing batteries in mass for electric vehicles everywhere. Perhaps others maybe view this as truly a an energy company for the 21st century, Uh, and that I think is probably a fair way to view it, albeit far more forward looking, and it assumes I think a lot of a lot of success there. But again, I mean, I think an investor in this business needs to just try to understand exactly how they view the company today, and then invest accordingly. Because you can sit here today and say, "Oh, this is an energy company for the 21st century," but to invest in Tesla with that thesis, and then to expect this outsized return over the course of the next five years may not necessarily be so reasonable, because five years is not going to be enough time for them to build out the energy company of the 21st century. Uh, to your point on their targets, I think that's very important to always note. We, we talk about that all the time. And and to be clear, Tesla's own guidance last quarter, they laid the, the groundwork for a bar of production of about 20,000 and deliveries of approximately 17,000. And, and those numbers followed up, the actuals were production of 18345 and deliveries of 14370 Yeah, on a percentage basis, that's a big miss. And they talk about the miss as being the ramp-up in production and mix and delivery and whatnot, and all sorts of ways to figure out how you want to justify why you miss your own targets. I think the bigger question, though, is, I mean, at some point, and I mean, we know Musk wants to open up his IP for all automakers out there to basically embrace and, and use. And I think that's great because if they want to be this kind of a company that sort of changes changes the way we do things uh, on a global scale, I mean, those are the kinds of things you need to do. It does lose a little bit of its competitive edge, though. There, I mean, if you have everybody producing electric cars, well, that's great for consumers. Now I don't have to just buy a Tesla; I could buy anything. Right. And so, I mean, Tesla's done a good job at this point building sort of the brand as being the just really the standard in electric cars. I don't expect that to always be the case. I mean, we, we see headlines all the time. I mean, there's one out there I was reading the other day about BMW and Intel and Mobileye teaming up to form an autonomous car and electric versions of this. So, you're going to see all sorts of competition flow in here at some point, which is going to take away sort of the competitive edge. From Tesla on the car front, which is why I think it's important to look at it from the bigger picture as a battery company or an energy company. But again, if you're going to build out this big, aspirational, capital intensive energy business, I mean, the one thing it's going to require is a lot of capital. And getting that capital is a lot easier said than done, I think, particularly in the short run. And so you have to kind of think about how that will play out for investors. And I mean, to invest in Tesla today and think you're, just going to to win as an investor automatically because Elon Musk is has the reputation that he has, I think is is probably a mistake. I'm not saying Tesla's a bad investment, mind you. Um, I mean, I personally don't own any, but I think you just have to be able to look at this. It's it's going to be an investment I think requires a longer time horizon than than probably a lot of people are looking to embrace today. I think you also
0: have to be if you're looking at this stock and the stock's down 3%, this isn't it's not a massive sell off or anything like that, but it's a little bit of a discount and so if you look at this and you think all right, maybe this is Getting close, you know, it's trading at 209. So if you're if you're someone and you like big round numbers and you're thinking, well, if it gets down to 200, I might uh, open a small position, that sort of thing. I think to your point, you do need to be prepared for almost anything, because that's where I think this is business is right now. I think there are a lot of different scenarios. I'm not saying any scenario is is on the table, but it's it's easy for me to imagine that 3 months from now we're having the exact same conversation that they have missed their delivery target it's also easy for me to imagine whether it's 3 or 6 months from now the gigafactory is completely on you know everything is is going their way and they beat their delivery target by 15, 20%, that sort of thing. And I think you could see an even bigger reaction to the upside. So I, I, I do think almost any scenario is in play here.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, if you look at the way the stock has performed, I mean, over the past five years is phenomenal. I mean, investors have done so well. Um, from a two year perspective, hey, if you invested in Tesla two years ago, you've actually lost a little bit of money. And so I think the stock price certainly bakes in a lot of optimism today. We've seen that play out in many cases before. I think, for a very long time, um, people have jumped all over Amazon and Jeff Bezos for, for criticizing his business model that doesn't make any money, and who does he think he is, and yada, yada, yada. And we've seen how that's played out as well. Now, I think it's easier to sort of see the path to success for something like Amazon than it is for something like a Tesla, because I think, fundamentally, retail is just easier to understand than what Tesla's trying to do.
0: You have a, a lot more data at your disposal too.
1: Well, I mean, there's there's a much longer track record for Bezos and Amazon than there no, is for Musk and Tesla. No question. And I mean when you think about you think about the overall market opportunity, well, hey, I mean energy is obviously a huge market opportunity as well. And and so I think Tesla is going to be the the aim is for Tesla to be one of the companies that helps sort of shake that up and change it so to speak for the better that doesn't imply that it will work out for investors again i mean you go back to what a business like this needs to actually succeed it requires a lot i mean a ton of capital and however they get to get that i mean musk is going to get what he wants whether the market goes along with it is one thing. I mean, so far so good. At some point, do they lose patience? Who knows? Probably so. Maybe they get that patience back if there's more demonstrated success. I think this Solar City acquisition is a huge question mark out there. I mean, Solar City, to my mind, has been a far more difficult business to ever really fully understand, and I'm not all that big a fan of it, honestly. I mean, I think again, I, I like what it stands for, but, but from an investor's perspective, you know, I'm not really seeing that the combined entities, I think they've become only more difficult to understand. So, this is going to be one of those true jockey plays where if you jump into it, you're jumping into it basically just saying, all right, I'm taking my hands off the wheel, so to speak, no pun intended, and and letting Musk take us where wherever he may. And And that probably works out okay 20 years from now, who knows? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh,
0: thank you to Troy Springer, one of our longtime listeners, for uh, pointing out our next story on Twitter because there are a lot of sports over the weekend. Arguably, the biggest sports story over the weekend was Kevin Durant, the most coveted free agent in professional basketball, leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder, going to join the Golden State Warriors. Did that surprise you? It did a little bit. It surprised me, uh, not that he left Oklahoma City, but that he left for the team that beat him in the playoffs. I really thought if he was going to leave, he would go somewhere. I
1: I, I I don't know. I it was, it was a little disappointing. So as a Boston sports fan, and let me be clear, I, I'm a big Red Sox fan. and Love to watch them win, but I don't have allegiance to, to Boston as a uh, as a sports enthusiast. Um, what was your take on them getting Tom Brady Tom, yeah. to, to attend that meeting to, to see if they couldn't sweet talk because I also saw on Twitter a big Pappy got in there and threw yeah. a couple of words, he's like, Hey, sorry I couldn't be there, but you know, hey, Boston's the city of champions and he's I I thought it was great. You I do think you, can, I, I guess, huh? you
0: know, every every team he met with I think five or six teams. Something like that. And I think every team was trying to make the best case that they could. Sure. And so if you're the Miami Heat Part of your case is South Beach. You know this is this is where you <laughs> yeah. get to live. You know if you're the San Antonio Spurs, part of your pitch is the economics of playing for a team in Texas that has no state tax, that kind of thing. And the food. And the, well, yeah. <laughs> um, and if you're Boston, your your uh, part of your pitch is tradition, just sure. sort of the championship tradition, yep. that sort of thing. Uh, but as t- Troy uh, pointed us uh, to a, a tweet from uh, Adrian. Uh, Woj, Wodron, Wojmeranowski. I'm butchering his name. Waj. just Woj. I, I, you know, he's one of those NBA beat reporters who's just if you're if you're a fan of the NBA, you follow him. Something like Wojaske, but different. Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of the things he wrote over the weekend was about this deal, the business implications of this deal. For Nike, this is a coup. Nike wanted to slow Under Armour's momentum with Steph Curry and the Warriors. Now. Kevin Durant promises to impact Curry's star. Which is an interesting way of looking at this, because Durant is a Nike guy. Under mm-hmm. Armour made a big pitch for him, and Nike topped that deal. Uh, Nike didn't make the same mistake with Kevin Durant that they made with Steph Curry. But it's interesting that that Woj looks at this as, as a coup for Nike, and that Durant is Automatically going to supplant Curry because just as a basketball fan, I look at sort of the two of them and they're two great start, two of the biggest stars in the league. That's still Steph Curry's team. I I, I don't think this is necessarily as big. A, I think it's a win for Nike. I don't think it's as
1: big a win as some people might think. Sure. I mean, let's define coup, right? I mean, that is as defined a notable or successful stroke or move. So I guess. Technically, sure. That's a coup for Nike. I mean, it's a win, right? You, you're going to get one of your biggest stars in the position to win a championship. But let's also remember that if he wins a championship, well, so is Steph Curry. Yeah. And I, I think I think that you're right. I think that Golden State. I think this is still Steph's team. Um, I thought it was really cool to see sort of the the argument the team was making. For this move, when they met with Durant, I mean, they were talking about. Listen, this is all about strength and numbers. And how many titles do you think they can win without Durant? How many titles do you think they can win with Durant? I mean, this is only a two-year deal, but I I think they have got to be the favorites over the course of the next two years. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I mean, Cleveland, notwithstanding. Again, I I don't know that. um, I mean, I mean, LeBron—they live and die by LeBron. Um, Golden State's not going to necessarily live and die by any one of these guys. Um, And I think this championship proved that, right? I mean, Steph Curry wasn't on fire, and they still took it all seven games. And so this is going to make this is going to make I think for um, great press. I think that Nike and Under Armour will probably have a lot of fun with this. And I mean, it's you look at something like college football. Look at the Iron Bowl, right? I mean, you got Alabama versus Auburn. I mean, Alabama's Nike, Auburn's Under Armour. No matter who wins the game, really both both labels win. And so I mean. Sure, I think for watch, it's it's a fun tweet to to make. I think at the end of the day, it's probably for investors a short sighted way to look at things. I mean, I think we all know what Under Armour is capable of doing and what Kevin Plank wants to do with his business. And I mean that in in no uncertain terms is to supplant Nike. So one NBA athlete isn't going to make or break anyone, you know.
0: Good news for fans of, well, iconic brands, I suppose. Uh, Hostess Brands, the maker of Twinkies, and ho of course, but uh, Hostess is returning to the public markets. Uh, the, there's an investment firm called The Gores Group, which is buying a majority stake in Hostess Brands for $725 million. That's a lot of Twinkies. Um, <laughs> and so, as a result, uh, and Gore's Gore's holdings is a publicly traded entity and I'm <laughs> I'm always interested in in little nuggets like this one of the things that I like to look at from from time to time in a given stock is the trading volume how is the trading volume in a given day compared to the average Gore's holdings uh, has a small market cap just 110 million dollars the average trading volume in a given day is about 10,000 shares and so far, it's it's uh, the market has not even been open for two hours, and already today, eighty-two times the normal trading volume is going on with Gore's Holdings. Uh, people are excited.
1: It's the Twinkie trade. I think it is the right? twink,
0: Yeah, the Twinkie trade is is happening in force today.
1: It's the Ho Ho Gap, right? <laughs> um, it's the Snowball, right? I mean, there are all sorts of ways we could we could uh, have fun with this one. Um, Real quick before I get this on the top of my mind here, just in regard to the Nike Under Armour thing, real yep. quick. Interesting to think about this though. I think that if you look at Under Armour and you think about how important Steph Curry is to Under Armour today, Steph Curry is far more important to Under Armour today than Kevin Durant is to Nike. Oh yeah. You know? Because LeBron it, James is a Nike guy, right. so and he's a bigger star than Durant. And so I think I think it's important to note that there was a time it's not going to be as big of a deal now for Under Armour. But there was a time where they were far, far more dependent on making sure they signed these key athletes that really succeeded. And Steph Curry has been a a big part of of Under Armour's success to date, no question. Um, I I just didn't. uh, I think they're two, two sort of very similar companies in different stages in their life, and it's interesting to see how signing these big athletes sort of helps helps them them evolve. but anyway, yeah, back to the uh, back to the Twinkie trade. Uh, you know, this is an interesting one because if you look at Gore Holdings, so Gore Holdings is is a public a public company, and, and basically, this is a business that was taken public with the intention of merging with some other entity to become like a new public entity, and it just so happens that it's going to be Hostess, which is really interesting to me because. I guess I, I just I feel like for all of the fun we have discussing things like twinkies and ho-hos and snowballs and sort of the nostalgia of of going back to our childhood I mean let's be clear these things are not good for you Chris There is <laughs> at nothing all.
0: there is nothing that Hostess brands makes that is even remotely good for you for all that we you know we were talking the other day about Mondelēz and and yeah. y- you can go through the Mondelēz Portfolio, and you can find a few things here or there that that are arguably healthy. There's nothing that Hostess makes that's healthy.
1: No, and I mean I'm not the kind of guy like I don't, I don't eat to live, but by the same token, I do care about what I eat. I mean, I'm I'm very attentive, not very, but I mean, we do a lot of cooking at home. I'm I'm the one that cooks all the dinners, really. So I, I just enjoy being able to do that and knowing what's going into to what we're eating. We give our daughters lunches to take to school and the camps. I mean. Never, never <laughs> buying this crap to put in there for them just because I don't want to do that to them. And I mean, they, of course, you give them a Twinkie and they're like, oh, yay, Twinkie. And you're like, oh, yeah, it just made your day. But even they, Like they'll try it and they're like, you know, this isn't really that good.
0: Yeah. The idea of a Twinkie is so much better than the actuality of the Twinkie.
1: Bingo. That hit the nail on the head right there. And so to see this as a publicly traded company, I think the idea of it as a publicly traded company is wonderful. I mean, I think I just we could talk about it probably every episode and just and have fun with it. But I I just I, I really I mean this is a brand with a history, I don't know that it really has a future. And I mean, I don't think it's not like you can just slap organic on the label and change everything, right? I mean, I mean, these guys are selling a key lime slime Ghostbusters Twinkie. I'm not putting that in my child. I mean, that just <laughs> they don't want that stuff. They like the thought of it better than they like the product. I think that's gonna be a big hurdle um for hostess and yet, Someone's buying. Someone
0: is. There's a lot of trading going on. Someone is. I was thinking about this when I first saw this story. You've seen the movie Moneyball, right? Yes. So uh, Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean uh, based on Michael Lewis's book, a great book and a great movie. Um, There is a scene in Moneyball that if I ever get the chance to interview Brad Pitt, one of the things I'm absolutely going to ask him is is about this scene because it's it's the scene in Moneyball that is sort of the turning point where Billy Bean has decided we need to shake up the team we need and so it's the the season isn't going quite how they want and he decides we're going to make some trades that kind of thing and he's sitting down with Jonah Hill um, uh, and and they they trade a player and and that sort of thing and then um, he gives Jonah Hill his marching orders like go go. Tell that guy he's traded. I'm gonna go, and he's saying, you know, I'm gonna go tell this guy he's traded, and right before and and uh, Joni, I think Johnny Hill says to him, like, do you want me to do that? And Brad Pitt takes a Twinkie and stuffs the entire thing in his <laughs> yeah. mouth and points to himself. He's like, no, I got this one. I get this now. What I want to know is how many times did you have to shoot that scene? Because that's one of those things that if you don't nail that the first time, if you know, if the director's like, uh, yeah, Brad, we the lighting was off. Can we can you stuff another Twinkie? you know if you have to do ten takes of that? no is he is he swallowing it every time? Is there a basket that he has to spit it out in? Like that for whatever reason. If I get to sit down with Brad Pitt, I'm asking him about the Twinkie scene. It's
1: a committed actor. I mean, I'm sitting here making fun of people eating Twinkies as I drink my diet Coke, which is chock full of caramel color and aspartame and <laughs> phosphoric acid I it's mean, not organic no you know what I mean if they slapped organic on it oddly enough it probably would feel a little bit better about it but I still wouldn't feel good yeah you know that's but. why I took the uh, the uh, the New year's resolution was to cut back on these and drink more water so far so good but every once in a while I've gotta indulge. Absolutely. Sure. Life is short. Indulge. It is. Which is why Hostess Brands has a
0: business. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market 40 The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.